This is the Music Publishing Podcast with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts and bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century. And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hello, and welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. I'm joined this week by a return guest, another uh, new music gathering uh, fella, uh, composer Ed Windells. Ed, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Dennis. It's an honor. Yeah, this will be fun. So, um, Ed, um, you're sort of here today to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, an idea that you've been spearheading uh, over the past what year or so? Uh, the the uh, five to nine composer. Um, Indeed, is it about a year that you've been writing and whatnot? Well, it's a year since I've gotten, um, should we say, broader public uh, exposure <laughs> on it. Um, it's actually something uh, that I've been pushing around on a more quiet and intimate level for a couple of years now, but I was uh, uh, lucky to be asked to do a series of articles on New Music Box um, almost exactly a year ago on the subject, and uh, that's when I... As I as I put it in my first article, came out about it. (laughs) Uh, So I am uh, I am a working artist, in my mm-hmm. case, a composer and orchestrator, uh, who holds down a full-time day job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, an advocate of um, making this uh, a, a viable and proud way of leading your life as opposed to something that I think a lot of people feel sheepish, if mm-hmm. not embarrassed about discussing mm-hmm. because they're not full-time in their in their creative advocacy. Yeah. And, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of saying there are many, many ways of being an artist and this is one of them. And you should not feel like you are a lesser person for doing it this way. Absolutely. Um, so before we, we jump into all that, uh, since last time we just sort of threw you in, uh, and asked your opinions of things, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a sense of, uh, your background and who you are and what you do? Um, I got a master's degree from the Manus College of Music, uh, in 1990, uh, he said dating himself, <laughs> um, and like Millions of composers, or, or I should say conservatory graduates, um, then and since, and still today, had no idea how I was going to make a living. Mm-hmm. And I had tempted my way uh, through a conservatory for the three years, working um, during the night and then uh, during the summer to pay for school. And came out of school not quite sure what happens next and was pondering a bunch of options, one of which was including going to study conducting Mm full-time and um, got offered a full-time gig off the temp job I was on and thought to myself, well, I'll do this for a little bit and I will manage to juggle all the balls and that will be fine. And 
I turned out to be very good at what I did in the corporate world. And mm. so that started swallowing me up. And um, long story short, I cycled through a bunch of um, jobs before uh, getting a good kick in the solar plexus in 2010 and realizing that it was really time to put in a lot more time and energy and focus on the musical side of my life, which mm. I let fall. And so one of the things I advocate, uh, or one of the things I talk about in this new advocacy is don't make the mistakes I made. This is a way of managing your life and providing yourself with a steady financial income, which is mm. something that's important to me. But if, but there are things you need to do if you are going to do both things. And yeah. I'm sure we'll get into more of that. Um, on the musical side, I, I come out of the world of uh, concert music. I mm -hmm. have a master's degree in composition mm -hmm. uh, and theory, I think, technically. <laughs> um, um, uh, so I do still write concert works, mm -hmm. uh, but I am I have for the last five years been making gradual inroads into becoming an orchestrator mm -hmm. in the uh, commercial and theatrical worlds, and I am yes. currently working on my first two major uh, real public official projects, and that <laughs> is uh, extremely exciting. Yeah, yeah, nice. It's exciting. Um, so, so you, um, after college or during college, you were, you're doing these jobs, got to be good at them and, and, and like, so you've, you've learned some skills along the way. Um, before, actually, before I ask any questions or fo any follow-ups here, um, I'm going to encourage everyone to listen to, um, your, um, your episode on, uh, the portfolio composer. That was a, an excellent episode, um, and we'll we'll retread some of that ground, and I think and go a little deeper on, on some things. I just re-listened to that today. It's a that was it's a it's a very good episode, Ed. Good job. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so, so what was it that that got you away from concert music for a while? Just the day job. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I talk about when I discuss this uh, and, and on the occasions that I'm asked to discuss it is um, if you're going to do this, mm -hmm. find a day job mm -hmm. in whatever field you wind up in or like doing or what, find a day job that's got some limits to it. Mm -hmm. um, the ones I had didn't have a lot. And again, as I say, not to be immodest, but I was, I was, and I think still am pretty good at them. They therefore wound up eating up my life. Yeah. And when you're younger, and of course, all this comes with the uh, wonderful benefit of hindsight as I um, <laughs> embrace middle age. Um, when you're younger, it's very easy to get distracted mm -hmm. and pulled out of your uh, uh, focus. Mm -hmm. And that easily happened to me. Uh, and I should point out that this was all in that long ago uh, uh, antediluvian area before the internet. Um, so we were not all plugged in constantly and did not have uh, access to all the things all the time that, that one does now. Um, so the day job uh, ate up my life. And as it did that, it became much more difficult to maintain my connections to the concert world mm -hmm. and, and the arts. Uh, I continued writing, but it wasn't as 
possible to be attending events and fostering the relationships and maintaining them. And there's a lot of people who slipped out of my world that I'm now reconnecting with. Um, but that's something you need to be really careful about if you're mm-hmm. going to do this and it can be done, mm-hmm. but find a day job that's got some good, hard boundaries to it mm-hmm. and maintain those Yeah, and don't let them overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is something you're going to do, you need to make sure you're dedicating the appropriate amount of time to the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, and that has a whole bunch of different aspects to it. But um, it, it, in my case, it was just very easily to have my focus sucked away and, and mm-hmm. uh, be told I was doing a great job and I should travel <laughs> around the world. And all that was great. Yeah. But uh, it, it took a while before I realized that there was this part of my life that was very important to me that I was not concentrating on. And mm-hmm. I have now rectified that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like... When you're good at, you find out you're good at something else, it's kind of exciting. And so it's easy to get sort of sucked into another, another thing. Um, exactly. It's, it's happened to me many, many times. <laughs> and so I, I keep a lot of those plates spinning, but, um, but yeah, it's, an, it's, it's very, there's, there's a danger in finding out you're good at something that is not what you want to do with your life you know, in, in the larger sense. And bearing in mind what is important to you and, and dedicating the time and focus to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think this is probably a little truer when you're younger and there's just, the world is such a big place mm-hmm. with so many possibilities and you yeah. can juggle all the balls. And one of the things I've learned through trial and error and, uh, encroaching old age is I can't juggle all the balls. I know what j- balls I, I, can juggle and mm-hmm. I focus on those mm-hmm. um, because what you wind up doing is is realizing down the road that you actually weren't juggling all the balls you were thinking of and yeah <laughs> so then you then you refocus mm-hmm. yeah and you, you find out that you can you can juggle better with fewer balls exactly <laughs> yeah, I, I love the idea of um, having a job with boundaries um, when when I was a, a day jobber um, which I haven't been for four four years now. Um, I always was happiest when I had jobs that, like, it was clearly, okay, it's five o'clock or it's six o'clock, you're done for the day. And you go home and you do your thing. Um, Kind of the way that that I made that work was by just being a temp, like a long-term temp. Um, I long-term in the sense of I had a temp job that lasted three and a half years. And also in the sense that I, I temped for like eight years or nine years. Um, and so I never, I was never into that job. It was just, Mm -hmm. it, it, I, and I could, it was all hourly. So I could just say, I need tomorrow off, you know, I, or I need exactly. Thursday afternoon off. I have a lesson. Um, and the, the freelance way is a great way to go. Um, uh, it's interesting because I, my 
corporate world has been almost entirely in advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a huge amount of freelance work that happens here. Mm -hmm. The flip side, interestingly, is it can suck you in. Some of the Mm -hmm. freelancers are very good and, Mm -hmm. and they're being asked to increase their time and increase their, uh, uh, dedication to the agency and mm-hmm. a lot of them are having to push back because they do have other lives. Yeah. Um, so it's a great way to go, but even there you still need to maintain your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but it is a great way to go for exactly the reasons you mentioned in that there's rarely an expectation that, you know, you're going to stay till the middle of the night mm-hmm. for the hell of it. Yeah. Um, there is that understanding that if you're doing this as if doing freelance, you know, at five o'clock, you're getting up and you're going because that's all you're getting paid to do. Yeah. Um, so that under the right circumstances, that's highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the one, the, well, I've had two salaried positions in my life. One was as a hedge fund administrator on Wall Street. Ha ha. Um, that lasted all of six months. And it was because of the hours. As soon as I like came on, they forgot all of their promises to me that I could be out early on Thursdays for composition lessons. Um, all the flexibility went away. Uh, and they expected right. me to be there constantly. And then when I worked for a theater in Midtown um, in their finance office, they they expected me, they expected so much more than the posted hours. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, um, no. <laughs> finance, is an area I, finance is an area I warn people away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this assumption that because you have the potential to make extraordinary sums of money that that needs to be your entire existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that's your thing, that's terrific. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know people who have gone and sunk themselves into that finance world, made large amounts of money Mm -hmm. for 10 or 20 years, and then gone back and rededicated themselves to their creative side. Mm -hmm. I question in the music world, Mm -hmm. whether that's a viable pathway. Yeah. I think you can go write a book. Mm -hmm. I think you can go paint a picture or take photographs. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in the, in the performing arts, Mm -hmm. you need to be in the mix Yeah, and you need to be out there unless you're just going to, where, where music is concerned, unless you're just going to write for your desk, which Mm -hmm. is perfectly fine. But if you want to be out there and, and, and have your stuff played and, and be a participant, you have to be out there at yourself and in the mix and the finance world, um, makes that very difficult because yeah. as you say, there, there tends to be, uh, all these nice things that are said, <laughs> uh, prior to you signing the contract and then you get in there and suddenly it's like, you need to be here at 3am on a Sunday to mm-hmm. do this. And, and, uh, so that's one I warn people from shying away from. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself uh, have avoided that world uh, during my career, and I have not regretted it. Yeah. Um, but that's my own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, you, you, you talked about on, on, on Garrett's show, and you, you talk about this a, a fair amount, the, uh, the, the, the shame that people can feel. Of like, I think that's still very prevalent. Mm-hmm. I think it's a generational thing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's interesting. You and I met at least one or two people um, whose names I won't mention, mm-hmm. uh, although they've they've actually sort of discussed this publicly um, at New Music Gathering in mm-hmm. Bowling Green, uh, a festival that if you haven't listened to my previous podcast with Dennis, I cannot possibly recommend enough. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are in the concert world, music world, um, keep your eye on on. Uh, on this group and wherever the next few years are going to be go it's a fantastic thing yeah and one of the reasons being is that there is such a broad swath of people it's not just the full-time sort of bold-faced name Mm -hmm. concert music people there were a lot of people in uh, Bowling Green who are doing the same thing, uh, floating day jobs of one sort or another Mm -hmm. and juggling their musical lives and their personal lives and their laundry Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) at the same time. Um, But it was interesting when uh, the articles came out, I got a lot of comments um, very back door thanking me and being very enthusiastic. And I was very surprised that more people were not willing to come out and and express their feelings publicly. And it's one thing I've been encouraging these people to do. Mm-hmm. This is not a this is not a bad thing. This is not a shameful thing. Yeah. There is, I think, a, still a certain mindset, and I think it's more generational than anything. I think it's my generation and older, mm-hmm. where if you are not a full time, lowly paid, stressed out, full time <laughs> creative. Artist, you're not, um, you know, you're not. What's what's the word I'm looking for? You're not really valid, and mm-hmm. you're not really doing it. And this is, I've on a, several occasions been called a hobbyist composer. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is not a hobby. Yeah, um, uh, I, I do it for love, but mm-hmm. the fact that I'm not making the majority of my income does not from it does not in any way make it less important no. or relevant or vital to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something I'm working on. It may be something that like a lot of other generational issues um, just needs to fade away with the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot more traction and interaction with generations younger than myself than I do with my own because there is still sort of this viewpoint of me of, oh, well, he has this office job and he sort of does music on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't consider that to be the case. I consider them to be two very equal halves of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little like saying, to me, it's a little like saying, well, you have a family, but you don't spend all your time with them. Well, <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't have a family. Yeah. Um, so again, it's a generational thing. I think there's much less of that viewpoint uh, amongst generations younger than mine, partially because it's the, the amount of full-time music jobs mm-hmm. are, A, becoming scarcer. Yeah, yeah. And B, there's more competition for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I've been out advocating about this is that I I want to be able to give people coming out of conservatories the option of looking at this and as one of many options of how you can make a living as a musician, part-time, full-time, in between. 
and not consider it a scary thing. And there's a lot of younger people doing this. And so their cohorts within arts administration and performing arts groups and um, arts advocacies are all much more aware of that. And there's a much more open mindset mm-hmm. amongst the younger generations. Yeah. Um, and I know I sound incredibly old for saying that, but um, it's a mindset that I think is slowly dissipating um, as people become more exposed to the realities of what being an artist is in this day and age, of which there are many, many, many layers. Oh, yeah. And that um, one has to be much more broad-minded in how one is going to make a living and, and pay the rent mm-hmm. and still have some sort of creative life, whether full-time, part-time, or in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even, like, speaking for myself, and I know a couple of the people um, who, you know, are were full-time freelance people, um, I'll, most of my income is from, like, designing websites <laughs> and, you know, things that are peripheral to... I mean, they've certain that skill has helped me a lot in my musical career, but I'm still basically only part time as a composer because I have I have all these other things that have to pick up that slack. You know, it's difficult to be a full time composer, uh, at least up to a certain point. Once you reach a certain, you you get that golden ticket, (laughs) right? Or, or as, as the um, incandescent Alex Shapiro will put it, the putter down of notes. So in mm-hmm. my case, it's not just composing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know a bunch of people in the theatrical orchestration world, and that is their full-time living. They get up in the morning and they go to their studios and they put notes down. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's their own notes. Most of the times it's other people's. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the... Um, advocacies I have about getting the schools to broaden their responsibilities about what they're sending their students out with in terms of knowledge and what to expect. There's so many ways to make a living as a musician. And I think you Mm -hmm. and I both know hundreds of people at this point who are composers, performers, running their own Mm-hmm. ensembles mm-hmm. Um, you're doing almost all this plus you've got a, a publishing website mm-hmm. plus you're doing website design for other people mm-hmm. you know we all wear multiple hats yeah. in my case one of them and one of the larger brimmed ones just happens to be in the corporate world but mm-hmm. we all juggle different sides Yeah. Um, but there's there's so many ways of doing this mm-hmm. And it just happened that I fell into one that involves a, a corporate side life yeah. and a very reliable, not unhealthy income. Mm-hmm. Um, not as healthy as it should be, but mm. but it's there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I think I mentioned this on Garrett's podcast, I don't know, but, but there are so many opportunities that you can look at um, within the music world. And one of the things I, mm-hmm. I advocate when I talk to younger groups is look at yourself and see what all the um, things about music are that interest you, mm-hmm. which may include um, electroacoustic, microtonal writing for 
water glasses. Mm-hmm. It may include ska music. Mm-hmm. It may include uh, Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no bad music. Yeah, there's music other different people like, but there's no bad music. Mm-hmm. Look at all the things that you like in music, and then go explore what those are made up of. Mm-hmm. What can you do in those? And again, this is not to say if 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 having a, a very steady, reliable uh, income and health benefits is as important to you as it was and still is to me. Mm-hmm. Again, I still advocate for 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 what I do as a living on both sides of the fence, but. Mm-hmm. That's just one option. And being a a concert composer is also an option. It's a tough one. It is tough to make a viable living as a concert music composer. Mm. Um, And I'm probably going to get a lot of trouble for saying that. But there's so many other hats that you can wear within the music world. Mm -hmm. And my example is, had someone told me, as I I am now... um, slowly creeping my way into a music faculty that I really love, which is theatrical orchestration. Mm. If someone had told me back in school that that was a thing you could do, yeah, I would have been all over that. Mm-hmm. And 25 years later, uh, I would, you know, quite probably not be at this day job right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I encourage people, people to do if your school is not helping you out with this and a lot of them still need to catch up on that mm-hmm. go l- look at all the parts of music that interest you um, maybe you're into thrash metal maybe you're into ska maybe you're into Norwegian clog dancing I, I don't know <laughs> um, all of those things have musical components that require people to do them mm-hmm. um, go investigate those that that local thrash metal band that you really love, they probably need help with arrangements and stuff. You would be astonished at the many, many pathways there are to get into the music world and make a living. Um, It's interesting, uh, toggling back to Garrett, he recently had a podcast with a young man who is now one of John Williams's principal transcribers and orchestrators. And Mm -hmm. this guy fell into it simply because he went out and investigated that side of his life. And he also writes concert music and he conducts and he does other things, but he went out and investigated that Mm -hmm. and networked a little and, and fell into this. Yeah. Happened to be in Los Angeles, which helps, but you (laughs) never know what you're going to fall into. And this has happened with me in the theatrical orchestration world. Is that Mm -hmm. just gone out and met people and networked and jumped up and down and said, I would really love to do something. And I've done some, pro bono projects and done some spec projects mm-hmm. and now here I am. Yeah. Um, so go out there and find out, find those people that are in the music realms that you're interested in mm-hmm. and find out how you can meet them and network with them and, and, and your podcast and Garrett's and a whole bunch of others have all sorts of fantastic tips on how to do that. Um, it's not as hard as you think. Again, this is not to say that having a full-time, steady uh, day job, corporate or otherwise, is a bad thing. I'm yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. But there are so many ways of making a living as a musician. Mine yeah. is one of them. There are lots of others. Don't limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, one thing I'll, I'll say about you know the the freelance life that can be difficult when you have like the the side hustles um you know like the web design for me um at a certain point i had to make a decision about 
how serious I was about that. You know, how much, how much money I wanted to make in that area to make up for what I wasn't making in other areas. Um, and you have to, in order to make like, in order for, for me to make that work, um, I had to put a lot more time and energy in it that was not put into composing. And mm -hmm. it, it becomes a very large part of your life. Um, if you let it, uh, and if you want to have it be somewhat lucrative, you have to let it. Um, so I think in that respect, day jobs working for someone else, that's infinitely easier because you show up, you do your work. If you, if you have a job with boundaries, you show up, you do your work, you go home and your, the rest of your time is yours as opposed to being, you know, a small business owner, uh, or having another small business, you know, because composing is a small business. Um, having, it absolutely is. having like the, the, the time and the effort and the brain power that goes into keeping that plate spinning. Um, like you will put in many, many hours and it is your baby. So after so many yep. years of doing this web design stuff, people know me as doing that. And I'm somewhat invested uh, emotionally in doing that and maintaining my knowledge of, you know, design crap and, and <laughs> keeping my finger in, you know, on the pulse of that. It, it if this were just a, if it were just a day job, I wouldn't care so much, <laughs> and and I you know it wouldn't be quite so consuming. Exactly, and the you know there are there are advantages and disadvantages to this way of doing things. It does mm -hmm. not leave you as much time as one would like. Um, it doesn't leave me always as much mental capacity mm -hmm. uh, as I would like. Mm -hmm. uh, a fair amount of my brain power is dedicated to what I do here in the office. Mm -hmm. um, but as you mentioned, and again, this this is, is a question of, of how comfortable people are with a... Um, non-steady freelance income, which mm -hmm. is something that just always made me very nervous. Mm -hmm. um, it does free up a fair amount of your time and brain power mm -hmm. in not having to worry about where is your next paycheck? Yes. Um, when is it coming in? I know what I'm bringing in on a base level mm -hmm. from year to year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't have to quite worry about um, taking on projects based on you know, time commitments and, mm -hmm. and, and what they're paying. I have the, and I, I will happily use this term, the luxury mm -hmm. of picking and choosing a little bit between stuff because I don't necessarily need it to be something that's going to pay my rent for the next six months. Yeah. Um, but, at the same time, the flip side of it is that, that you are not in the field constantly. Mm -hmm. um, but that's actually something for me that I think has turned out to be a real benefit. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten back into um, the music world on, on many different genres, but principally concert and theatrical, I'm increasingly reminded that 
some of the people I know who are in the field full time. Mm-hmm. Every now and then I'll, I'll be in these wonderful discussions where we'll thrash around about this this terribly important, uh, uh, you, you know, aesthetic issue. Mm-hmm. And then it's always a little bit nice to step out of that and go back and and be reminded that that terribly thorny thrashy aesthetic issue <laughs> is not something that my life is uh dependent upon mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a relief to me now and then to not be in the middle of the crucible mm-hmm. uh, sometimes i miss it sometimes when i'm in the middle of that those discussions i think geez i wish i could just worry about this all day every day <laughs> and then it's there are a lot of times when i step outside that that little world it's not a little world but you know it's a very concentrated world yeah and i think you know it's 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 kind of good to get the perspective from from away and and a little fresh air and mm-hmm. uh, i think that has been a big benefit to me in what i've been attempting to do on my own concert music mm-hmm. um i'm i'm sometimes not sorry that i'm not deep in the bubble mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah. Yeah, it it's it's a palate cleanser too. Exactly. Yeah. It, um, I love being in it and I love those times when I don't have to be in it because my my livelihood doesn't depend upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's in hindsight that's turned out to be an advantage for me that I never thought about. Mhm. Yeah, w- one one interesting thing that I've found um once I went freelance, I still spend about the same amount of time composing. I don't spend more time composing because I, you know, I do have to to keep the hustle up in in other areas to make sure that I'm I'm making some money. Um, I think I, I, going back to the the the, the shame, um, I wonder how much of that. Well, I think it's multifaceted, um, but I th- I wonder if part of the shame comes from. If you if you admit that you have a day job, it's not just um, other people's perception of you as potentially a hobbyist, um, but your 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 sense of being an artist may be undermined. I, I think it shouldn't be, but I think it it's understand understandable. But also, um, non artists' perception of you, the question: What's your real job? Yeah. Which I get a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to say, oh, I'm I'm a composer. And it's interesting that job? it's interesting that it's really only been in the last five years that I've I've changed that from saying, well, I work in advertising in whatever role I happen to be in at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's only been in the last five years I say I'm a composer and I do theatrical orchestrations on the side. Mm-hmm. Um. And I I think this is a uniquely American thing. I could be wrong. We so define ourselves around our source of income. Yes. And, you know, that isn't exclusively who we are. So Mm -hmm. what I do in the corporate world is is how I make my living. I'm good at it, I think. (laughs) Um, I've managed to last this long. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm good at it. 
That's, but it's not in any way how I define myself. It, that's how I make my living. It's part of what I do. It's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. But I think of myself principally as a musician and composer. Um, I am in that world. I'm not in it as much as, as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am in it. I am involved. I am becoming more so. Uh, I have no problem defining myself that way. And mm-hmm. I think I think this is a a U.S. thing in that we we so wrap our heads around, well, how are you making a living? Well, that's what you are. Yeah. Um, and and that's something I'm, I'm working on getting people to think differently about. And again, you know, if, if particularly with, with uh, again, the younger generations, you know, how do you define yourself these days? Almost everyone we know is, as I said, juggling at least five to 10 hats. Mm-hmm. So what do you just say? You're a musician. Well, that's you know, sure. Why not? Um, so I think one of the things we need to do is, is think less about, you have to give this one answer or one answer with caveats. Mm-hmm. Um, either of us could say we're musicians and then that has so many shadings to it and so many different roles that we play. Yeah. What was it? Um, I'm going to bungle this badly um virgil thompson uh was asked he was like on a panel or something and he was asked um what what is music it's what musicians do so like the correlation is like what is a composer someone you're like uh, ned roram writes about this a lot at what at what point are you where how much composing do you have to do to be a composer or and and at what point when you slow down or, or if you're doing another job, at what point are you not a composer? Well, you're always, are you, are you only a composer when you're writing notes or are you still a composer when you're, um, you know, at your, when when you're, when you're a barista? (laughs) Exactly. Or, or for the hundreds of thousands of of people who've gone the route of teaching, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not, not a composer when you're teaching composition to your students. Mm-hmm. I'm not not a composer when I'm sitting at my day job. You are not not a composer when you're doing websites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is who we are and what we do. We don't maybe do it every second of the day, but nobody mm-hmm. does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of of Ned Roram, I think one one of the dirty little secrets of not just concert music but the arts in general is Ned Roram with a dirty little secret. Why? Well, sure <laughs> but so many so many artists um, in let, let's say the past century, um, the the really successful ones, m- many of them came from money. And that, that, that I think be- becomes this whole, because we don't like to talk about Ned Roram's dad, you know, basically creating Blue Cross and Blue Shield, um, or, you know, or, um, um, Ives, mm-hmm. uh, came from a very secure background Yeah, yeah, uh, and went on to make an even more secure one for himself mm-hmm. in the insurance world. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, of- yeah, we, with day jobs. yeah, we, we, you know, he, he famously, you know, worked in, in the insurance, uh, business, but it sometimes that initial, like coming from money can, has allowed us to 
view that as the ideal. You know, these, right. these people can, like Ned, could take the time to go to Paris for many years and live there. His, his family was wealthy, and then he lived with, a, a, you know, a wealthy woman, Marie Laura de um, she <laughs> she like made sure that he was taken care of over there too, you know. And so that has be- because he had he he then had the luxury to write, right? You know, as much as he wanted. And that's and, and a whole ha- other podcast. <laughs> I know it is, but but that <laughs> probably a series of them. Oh, I know, but that 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 helps to lead into this shame of well, I I have I have a day job. You know, I th- I think the field has become so democratized over the past several decades that, um, you know, people of from all types of families, you know, all sorts of financial backgrounds can get into the field. They can go to college and study. Um, whereas when, you know, when, when Ned was coming up in the in the forties, um, he studied privately. There wasn't you couldn't really go to yeah. a school and do that. Um, yeah, there's a whole historical kind of you know mindfuck here. Um, but yeah, we our field we don't talk. Uh, if we're really bad at communication, and and some of this comes to um, education about. Um, like really getting into uh, entrepreneurship and, and, you know, like you say, preparing students for, um, for life outside of school. And there's, it's interesting you say that. And, and I think this does uh, uh, toggle into this whole discussion that we're having. Um, but I was just recently having breakfast with someone and your name came up and this subject came up and um, there are two sides that we think, the schools should be promoting. One is, how do you, what is, what do you need to be a composer? And mm-hmm. this is something you're very good at, which is you need to know what copyright is. You need mm-hmm. to have a website. You mm-hmm. need to know about social marketing, social media. You need to be out networking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's the nuts and bolts of being in the business and, and the composer and, and, how are you going to do contracts mm-hmm. and, and what are licensing agreements and grand rights? And mm-hmm. so there's that whole side of it and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. which some of that touches on. Mm-hmm. And then there's the second question that we're sort of discussing here is, well, that's all right. Fine. You get all that knowledge and then you walk out your door with your degree and what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that second subject is one that I, I, would like to see schools focusing a lot more on. Mm-hmm. And even if you are um, an up and coming composer with the right teachers at the right school with the right connections, and that in itself is a whole other series of podcasts. <laughs> but again, if, if, as you've mentioned, if you, if there isn't some family money sitting around there, how are you going to support yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a ton of options. Yeah. What I'm doing is one of them. Mm-hmm. But there's a ton out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just really love to see there be more communication on that. So this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm talking about it and doing it. Is mm-hmm. not, it, it, fine. F- you know, follow my lead. Get a day job in a corporate office and you 
get this nice steady paycheck and health benefits and a 401k and, and, and all that's great if that's your shtick, mm-hmm. but there's lots of other ways of doing it too. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are freelance and, mm-hmm. and just, there's so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there, there's more than one, one way to skin that cat. And, and there, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, there have been, there have been, and still are some composers who have not had to worry about mm-hmm. an income for various reasons. Mm-hmm. For those of us who do, and those of you listening who are facing that, don't let that be your, your, you know, the, the, the summit you feel you need to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be a working composer and mm-hmm. that working part is both music and sometimes other things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the, in the, the book world, um, in the, the indie publishing world, uh, I feel like there's been a big shift over the past couple of years with, with this idea of being a, being a full-time writer uh, as opposed to doing other things. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of people over in, in the book world actually their freelance life, um, well, you know, some of them are, some of them are doctors, some of them are lawyers, some of them are, you know, um, EMTs, whatever, but some of them actually freelance still within the world, helping other authors get, get things done, you know, like doing cover design or being an editor, um, doing so many things still very much within that field, um, and being open about, this is, this is what I do as well. It informs my art, um, and there's no shame in it. And another thing that's that people are actually kind of it, it's refreshing to that people are admitting this. Um, I'm, I have an article up here from Salon from two years ago. This writer Ann Bauer um, has a, a an article titled "Sponsored by My Husband." She happened to marry a husband, you know, marry a husband. <laughs> great, great talking there. Um, <laughs> she, she, she married a guy who like has a good job. Uh, she didn't marry him because he has a good job, but he has a good job and allows her to spend less time on other things and more time on writing. There are, well, it's funny you mentioned that, um, recently sometime in the last six months, medium, one of their articles was, here's the hundred things you need to do to be a successful part-time artist. Mm. Number one, and this really pissed me off, was, <laughs> and, and I hope Medium is listening because it really pissed me off, have a really wealthy significant other. And yeah. I just thought, well, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't don't go and I hope people are listening to go, don't go hook up with someone oh, God, just no. because they're going to let you... Um, you know, sit around and do your thing all day. Uh, that 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 ethos bothers me enormously. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want to do and you're cool with it, mm-hmm. I you know more power to you. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, on the on the, I mean, the the history is littered with those of us who had day jobs or other jobs, and, oh, totally. and so many of them then morphed into successful careers. J.K. Rowling was a if I remember correctly, a secretary for years while she was writing mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen King did all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. 
um, before he he took off. Philip Glass mm-hmm. drove a cab for yep. years. Um, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's not a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. A steady income yeah. is is a great thing. And in my case, it frees me from stressing out about, am I going to be able to afford to eat tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me is important. I write best when I'm as stress-free as possible. And yeah. worrying about my living circumstances mm-hmm. uh, is a stressful Amen. thing. And that's <laughs> just, and, and if, if you're the sort of person who can float with that, I bow to you. Go mm-hmm. for it. Um, and if you're not, don't feel that this is a life path that is a bad thing. It's not. Yeah, totally. And the more you talk about it and the more mm-hmm. you embrace it, the more you build down those barriers in people's minds. So that's one of the reasons I do, I do talk about this, um, yeah. probably on end. <laughs> there's the, the, the subheading for this article here, there's the, the second half I think is, really germane to, to this conversation um it makes it well basically that the whole sub thing is the truth is my husband's hefty salary makes my life as a raider easy and here's the big thing pretending otherwise doesn't help anyone and that goes i think that goes for having a day job you know like sure. pre- 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 pretending that you don't have a day job isn't helping anyone you know right and and that and we you know not just artists, but particularly concert musicians, we are great at artifice. We, we like to pretend that things are not what they are. Um, and this is, this is a big, a big thing for, for the creators is that, um, you know, not, not every composer is, uh, you know, making all their money through commissions and not, not every performer is out there playing you know big gigs Carnegie all the time. Hall every night yeah exactly it, everybody ha- you know has to survive somehow and however you choose to survive is fine and so don't pretend otherwise you and i are now acquainted with a uh, very talented singer who's principally making her living being a rep for a uh, wine importing company yeah um, and I would just like to say, I don't think that job sucks. Yeah, um, really? uh, it's, and that's a great example of, you know, there are, there are so many things you can do mm-hmm. and still maintain an artistic life. And some of those other things can be really sweet and include a lot of free booze. Yeah. Um, like I say, there are so <laughs> many opportunities out there. Hooray for the free booze. Well, Exactly. So we're we're about fifty minutes right now. So let's. Um, so how how do you make this uh, five to nine life work? What are what are some of the the key things that make this um, doable for you in terms of you, you get you get done at five and then then what? Um. Two principal things, uh, both of which I know can um, make some people in the artistic communities twitchy because <laughs> there's this there's this idea that we're not good at being um, scheduled or rigorous. But mm-hmm. um, one of them is militant time management. Mm-hmm. Um, those those hours on the weekend and 
when, when I'm committed to composing, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, and I'm loathe to use this term because it, it, uh, um, I think I will call it prioritizing the, mm-hmm. the word I was going to use was sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to prioritize yeah. what's really important in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, on medium sometime in the last year, there was a great article about, about exactly this. And medium mm-hmm. actually does a, a fair amount of, of, uh, uh, content about this issue. Mm-hmm. And one of the things this article said was, look, do you really need to go to that soccer game? Do you mm-hmm. really need to binge watch that series? <laughs> um, now, I want to be very clear about you absolutely need to give yourself time to go do stuff that you enjoy. Totally. I happen to be very lucky in that 90% of that happens to be related to what I'm doing in music. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to the theater, it's partially because it fulfills a lot of roles to me. Mm-hmm. One, I'm going because I really want to see the piece. Yeah. Almost inevitably, it will also be because there's someone I know involved in the show. I'm going to meet someone who's involved in the show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have some connection to the show. So I'm very lucky that way. Um, there isn't a lot I want to do. And then this is probably unique to me or to some extent. Um, again, I, I don't need to go to a baseball game. <laughs> I'm not big into television. If you are, that's great. You mm-hmm. should absolutely, you have to make time to enjoy yourself. Yeah. You still so I'm not advocating that anyone should be at the office from nine to five and go straight home, lock themselves away mm-hmm. and write for four hours and do nothing else. You've mm-hmm. got to do the thing because otherwise you're not really going to turn out anything, I think, worthwhile creative. Mm-hmm. The brain is a very... Uh, the brain is something that needs to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. I happen to be very lucky in that a lot of what I like to do for entertainment is stuff that is pertinent to my music life yeah. and my music career. And there's not a lot outside of that that I desperately need to do. I don't go to a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I couldn't even tell you the last <laughs> one I actually watched in a theater. Um I'm not a big television person. I read to put my to, at night to to sort of put myself to sleep. Mm-hmm. So much of what I enjoy doing is music, so I'm mm-hmm. happy doing that. Um, if you do have many interests outside of music, there's some of them that you're going to need to make a choice about. Um, so, are you really going to go to that soccer game or baseball game or football game, or are you going to take those three hours and write? Mm-hmm. And this is where the decision comes about how important is this to you and Mm -hmm. what are you willing to give up? And that's where the term sacrifice comes in. Um, And I know that's a term that makes people twitchy. (laughs) Uh, But at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Um, You know, 30 or so hours of my week are locked off because of this day job. Mm -hmm. The, The plus side of that is there's a, very reliable, steady income coming in. Mm-hmm. The flip side is I have to maximize the rest of those hours towards my music career. And that means there's stuff I don't do. I don't go to um, every gallery showing I would like to. I don't see every show I would like to. There's a ton of stuff in the New York theater right now. I'd really love to go, but I've got two projects I'm on and mm-hmm. that's not happening. Yeah. I don't get to socialize with people as often as I would like. When I do, I do try to make it as as 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for, as, as productive as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, usually the people I socialize with uh, on most levels tend to be people who are going to inspire me and, and, and we'll talk about the business and we'll talk about music. And I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see as many of people outside of that realm as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something that is a conscious decision I've made. Um, prioritizing, you know, yeah. look at what it is you want to do and what that requires. And that can take some time to figure out and then make your decisions. Yeah. But absolutely maintain some time for things that you do want to do. Yeah. Because um, otherwise you're going to go nutty and, and you won't write well. <laughs> Trust me. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. You need to need to recharge some. So those are my two things. Time nice. management mm-hmm. and prioritization. Uh, what is it you really need to focus on? Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. And that's my story. Sweet. Perfect. Well... Ed, thank you so much for for today. This has been fantastic. I I, I hope that uh, people get something out of this. Um, I do too. I, and if you have any questions or want to reach me, you can reach me through my website at dash windells dot com. I am easily reachable. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm, I probably on Twitter more than I should be under the current <laughs> political circumstances. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I am easily reachable. So if you have any questions or think I can help you or, or something, mm. uh, please feel free to reach out and thank you for having me, Dennis. It's oh. always a great honor to, yeah, thank you so uh, much. to do these talks. Yeah, this has been this has been great. Um, are there any projects of yours that we should keep our eyes peeled for? Um, how public they are, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> right now, I am working on, and I've just in fact sent off the first batch of material for um, a complete reorchestration of Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore in it sort of slash 1920s jazz slash Broadway idiom. Um, That is going to be premiered in early February uh, in Edmonton, Canada. Mm. Um, And that is turning out to be a lot of fun. Nice. One of the sidelines I've had, I I used to have, was doing opera reductions Mm. and uh, uh, reductions of operas for smaller ensembles. And uh, I believe um, we're in full contract uh, agreement for uh, my reduction of Richard Strauss's Electra for 30 instruments down mm. from 110 <laughs> uh, to be premiered in Melbourne next March. Nice. Um, that's the plate for right now. Nice. So you can, you can totally uh, manage to have a day job and be very productive. Oh yeah. <laughs> it can be done. It and believe me be. folks, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> It's a little bit of elbow grease. Cool. Um, well, a lot of a lot of good strong black tea. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, again, and ooh. the occasional glass of wine, which is very important to creativity. Mm. Oh, the I, occasional. Yeah. Just one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Just just one or two. <laughs> well, again, Ed, thank you so much for being here. Um, and thank you for having me. Dennis. Th- thank you, everyone, for for listening. I appreciate your continued support of the podcast. It means a ton to me. Um, so. Um, if you feel it inclined, I would appreciate if you would go to uh, to iTunes, uh, 
pop a star rating on the on the show give a, a you know an honest review if there's something you don't like um let me know if there's something you really like let me know i'll do more of that um and uh that helps me and it helps the podcast to be more visible um so as always thank you for listening and i will talk to you next time mm-hmm.